You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. And also with us, your dog, Wrigley. So I'm sorry, you may have to anticipate some barking. Yeah, we had uh, we attempted to, fill, to film, to record in our podcast studio this week, but unfortunately uh, everybody was on the phone and uh, could be heard on the podcast. So, so. We, we soundproofed the room, right? We put mm-hmm. in heavy insulation. Mm-hmm. We double drywalled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the guys came and put the ventilation in, and uh, we can hear people speaking in other offices through the ductwork. Yay. So we are taking another space that was supposed to be a closet that's going to be converted to our new podcast studio whenever I get around to actually constructing it. Yes. Wow, really, you really. I gave Wrigley a bully stick to try and get him to be quiet so that we could record this podcast. And it turns out he wants to play a game with the bully stick instead. Anyway, let's get on to our exciting and interesting podcast. Our exciting podcast. podcast. Yeah. Well, we have some bad news for our listeners, if you haven't already heard. The courthouse in Golden, British Columbia burned down. Yeah, arson fire. Yeah, well, they believe it's it. arson. Um, and uh, burnt to the ground, which surprised me because I would have expected it was a relatively modern building. It looked like it was built either probably late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would have thought that it would have been uh, sprinklered. Yeah, you would think that it would be sprinklered. You would think that um, it would be, you know, there would be alarms going off and that, you know, Golden being such a small town that the there is a fire, fire department, department would Golden. be there. I don't in a know minute. if it's a volunteer fire department or if it's a paid fire department. Yeah, who knows? They're sort of uh, Golden's the size of a town that you could have either. It's on the yeah. verge. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, yeah. Um, one person was injured too, I think, during the fire. Oh, I, a firefighter. Firefighter. Yeah. Yes. But the what does this have to do with driving law? Well, first of all, arson itself as an offense is a problem. Um, but what does Golden Courthouse have to do with driving law? A lot of people don't know this, but Golden is a relatively busy traffic court registry. Yeah, so basically everybody who's driving from to and from Alberta mm-hmm. uh, get on the highway, and on either side of Golden, there's long stretches. Um, dangerous highway. Uh, well, there's some fairly dangerous highway, but there's also long, straight stretches that yeah. it just feels like you can go flat out. Yep, go um, through Yoho and, National Park. And people do. And yep. uh, so they get caught speeding, and uh, there's lots of traffic enforcement. And the RCMP are very active on either side of Golden. Yep. Mostly west of Golden. But um, those matters go to traffic court in Golden. Yeah, so uh, they had a traffic registry there. And during the pandemic, a lot of court files became digitized. I mean, there was a project that was increasing towards digitization of court files before the pandemic. Like criminal files used to be all paper. And in the last sort of 10 years, they've transitioned to being um, electronic records, which is great if something happens. We did that in our office. We used to have a warehouse filled with files and storage. Now everything's been scanned and everything's digital. digital. 
And they were doing the same thing with the uh, traffic uh, court. Just for you hackers out there, it's not digital stored on any of our servers. So if you do a ransomware attack, you're not going to get anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't wish you good luck because yeah. I don't want to be subject to it. But it's it's one that uh, all the other lawyers have. So yeah. uh, if we are ransomware, it would also be 100,000 other lawyers in North America. Yeah. Um, I don't know how they protect that. But in any event, that's not our problem. Exactly. But it is a... Um, it is a problem for the court because it turns out a lot of traffic, traffic court, store court files are still they're still all files, paper physical files all of traffic court in all of british columbia is still paper and that means that every record related to a traffic ticket in um in golden traffic tickets that are currently in dispute, the records of proceedings for resolved matters, the applications for people to appear by telephone on upcoming matters, the, the court files related to upcoming matters that say whether it was adjourned or anything like that, all of that information is apparently gone forever. Which surprises me. Um, and of course, it's not speaking to everything. So if you had a traffic ticket in Golden two years ago, don't expect that you're going to be able to somehow get that thing purged now because they don't no. have a record of it. No. A lot of stuff, uh, you know, goes into storage. Uh, Iron Mountain is storing things for the government all over the place. Those yeah. records exist. They're still there. Uh, and if there's a digital record of it being there, a digital record of it is on CSO Online, for example, or in ICBC's records. They're not going to come get rid of it because it's the yeah. courthouse burnt down. So what happens But if when you've got a trial... Coming up. six weeks, that's different, right? So what happens when you go to traffic court? Is the judicial justice, they don't have a court clerk. So the judicial justice is updating the record of proceedings by hand. They're making the amendments to the ticket by hand on the face of the court copy of the ticket. Then those records are physically handed to the court registry staff who updated in the registry's computers in Justin, for example, with the codes for what happened at the appearance. It doesn't have all of the other details, like who appeared and, and you know, all of that information, just like, was there a trial? Was it, what was the outcome? Was there a plea? What was the plea? Um, and then that information gets also provided to ICBC to update the driving records, as the case may be, for ICBC's records. So if your matter's completed a while ago, it's, you probably could still access the records from permanent storage off-site. Maybe not the full records, but... But if you had a traffic ticket in Golden probably in the year 2023 leading up to this fire... Yeah, if you've got a ticket hearing coming in the next four or five months, then there's a pretty good chance that all of that's gone. And you would think that this wouldn't be a problem because they do update the information in court services online and in Justin, but... It does become a problem when ICBC, which they do commonly, messes up when they enter into their system. And we see this often with tickets that are amended from driver to owner, so the person doesn't get any points, doesn't go on their record. And ICBC misses frequently the notation that this has occurred in the court file. And so they add the ticket to the person's driving record, give them the points, and the person only finds out about it if they request a copy of their abstract or if they, um, uh, or if they uh, get a letter in the mail prohibiting them from driving. And there's, with some regularity, we're correcting that, right? It's, yeah. it's not unusual for us to go resolve something with a plea to something else that's more advantageous for our client. 
and then the records show up at ICBC and it doesn't record that, it just records a plea. And then you've got to contact the registry and they pull the file and look at it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they go talk to the JJP if they can't understand their handwriting. Mm -hmm. And then they go over the judicial justice and then they go back and uh, uh, correct it and notify ICBC. So there's all these steps. Like when you dispute a ticket, if you've ever looked at your ticket in BC on the back, it says, you know, send it to bank 3510 Victoria, BC. Um, that uh, That's the ticket dispute center is what we refer to it as. And then the tickets are and uh, maybe physically actually transferred to trial scheduling mm-hmm. in Vancouver. At least that's the way it used to be. Who knows? They might have changed in the last few months. And then the file is shipped out, apparently, we're now learning, to the courthouse. And then it's in the courthouse and it's not, you know, it's not all electronic. Now, this may be... The golden, the impetus, the golden, the golden, the golden fire, opportunity, the golden opportunity to <laughs> to change this to uh, to some sort of electronic format. You know, it's it's hard for government to justify changes when you're looking at it and saying, well, it's not going to get us more customers, or it's not yeah. going to, you know, which and is it'll cost want. thousands of dollars yeah, to digitize traffic court. And in the long run, there's probably some ad advantage to it but the system's working now and if we change it maybe some clever lawyer is going to figure out some way to you know undermine it or something and so there's any time and it's funny because i i just noticed this so often in the course of my career as a lawyer that the lawyers are the worst but anytime you suggest some change that's going to create some efficiency there's always a, a half dozen people sitting around the table, poking holes in your suggestion. Yeah. And then we never do it. And the um, when we were making these changes to the court, when the pandemic started, I was, I think I was interviewed on some news station. And David Eby was on the next day, and he was the attorney general. And, uh, or maybe he was on just after me. Uh, but basically, it came down to the same thing. Just what I'm saying, like, you cannot, good luck getting the committee to make a change. And the only reason that we made these changes in the pandemic was because we were forced to. And mm-hmm. we would not have made any of these, you know, like Zoom appearances in court, MS team appearances in court mm-hmm. is saving is saving millions of dollars across the justice system. And the environment. And the environment because we're not driving, driving physically around. to seven courthouses a but day. But there's some judges you appear in front of who like seem Insist. to want to set their own policy that you have to be there. Um, physically appear for some appearance that does not require your physical appearance. And so this is a, you know, it's, it's, it's the perpetual, there's always some resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when we went to a, you know, full digital um, setup, I was resistant for the longest time. Why? Because of security of the material yeah. uh, and security of our client stuff. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I was satisfied when everybody else had already jumped on board and and gone through it that I felt that we could do that. And also we were sort of motivated because of the massive amount of, of uh, work we've done over the years has led to, you know, had led to a, wor- a warehouse of storage um, and, uh, and just making sure that we were on top of everything. But yeah, so Golden, what is going to happen to those people in Golden? I mean, it revealed this. Mm-hmm. You made some phone calls, I guess. To well, no, I got, a, I got a phone call from the traffic court registry. It was really weird. I get a phone call from, like, the BC government number in the middle of the day, not at an IRP hearing time, and I'm very confused. I answer the phone. And uh, Hi, this is the traffic court registry in Cranbrook calling. Who is this? I was like, um, 
sorry, why are you calling? It's like a weird call to get, right? Uh, Well, we're just trying to figure out, we we have this number down as recorded for the telephone appearance for next week, but we we don't know who you are because we we don't don't have anything else. We just have your phone number. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is Kyla Lee. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, Miss Lee, sorry. And so they told me, I asked, I said... Does this mean, like, everything is gone? And she said, everything. All the paper records, every record of proceeding. It's chaos, and they don't really know what they're going to do. You know, you wonder whether or not they should have some sort of fireproof filing cabinets, but that seems like overkill. Just digitize it. I mean, you'd spend thousands of dollars for fireproof filing cabinets, and it would probably, you know, you've got the systems in place already in the sense that you know the systems that work because they, they're used for criminal and family and for other types of issues. So all you need to do is take that software and use it for traffic matters. I mean, the big expense is, is uploading it all in there. So that's the, uh, that's what's going on there. Now, the other thing about the golden fire that affects driving law is because Golden is the sort of major hub on a pretty important corridor, when I say major, using air quotes, a pretty important travel corridor as far as transportation between British Columbia and Alberta, as well as... So when Alberta threatened to take over uh, BC, there was talk about invading... Invading Golden. Seizing Golden. Yeah, okay, you can have it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how the people in Golden would feel about that, if they like being British Columbians. The... Uh, it also had a out of working out of the courthouse, a Ministry of Transport office. Similarly, and that's gone. That's going to be a big one because um, all the um, speed uh, corridors, the variable speed corridors, they were governed from that office. Well, the Ministry of Transport sets them, so for that area, they're governed from that office. Oh, uh, not necessarily. I think there's a bigger concern with that, and that is every ticket that's been issued to a trucking company. Yeah, uh, and that is a big thing. Uh, you know, we're contacted by trucking companies every week, and we represent uh, people in that courthouse with some regularity. Uh, and um, it's commercial vehicle enforcement, and they have their ticket books and all their material. Those officers aren't taking them home. Nope. Um, so that's all in there. So that's going to be a, a number of people who may succeed if they dispute their tickets. If I'm telling you, if you received a ticket in Golden in the last few months. Uh, and you're driving a truck, I sure hope you disputed it within the 30 days. Which is another good reason just to dispute your dispute ticket. Dispute your and ticket, because you never know if the courthouse is going to burn down. down. <laughs> and we joke about it. And you, t- yeah. you know, There's an economic uh, argument that if you've got a bad thing that you're facing, your best bet is to put it off as far as possible in the future, because something may intervene. Even if it's yeah. a, what seems like a certain bad thing, mm-hmm. something may intervene. And, you know, I often joke, like, you know, something could happen. The witnesses could could move to Peru. The You know, you never know what can take place between now and the time of the trial. Yep. Well, turns out now and the time of the trial can be a fire. So you may have noticed that Wrigley is working on this bully stick like crazy. You can probably hear it in the background. <laughs> He's really chewing on this thing. And usually that's, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can deal with him. Sometimes people take him for walks. Sometimes, uh, sometimes he's just not in the mood to uh, to be an irritant, but sometimes he's not here. Today, it's a fresh bully stick, and he is working on this thing. I mean, it's it's impressive to watch, and it's a bit of a distraction. Yes, we should probably move on to our next topic, which is well. I thought we would first 
take a moment to have a McGracken moment this week about how ICBC has rigged the law to cut you off from your enhanced care benefits. One wonders, ICBC was a dumpster fire at one point, and now they're figuring all these ways. Ladies and gentlemen, let loose the law and justice cracking. Welcome to the McGracken Moment. This week I want to talk about why ICBC has rigged the law to let them cut you off from their no-fault benefits. So as you folks know, we now live in a no-fault jurisdiction. ICBC doesn't call it that. They call it enhanced care. But that just means you can't sue if you're the victim of a crash. And everybody gets the same benefits, whether they're responsible for the crash or whether they're the victim of the crash. Now, all the marketing sound bites make it sound like a great thing where there's hundreds of thousands of dollars of coverage and you can get all sorts of treatments covered. But ICBC rigged the law to let them try to cut you off if they don't like what your own doctors are telling you. So if you're injured in a crash and your doctor says you need physiotherapy or acupuncture or chiropractic treatment, certain medications, that you're disabled, whatever it may be, there's benefits that ICBC has to pay. But if they don't like what your doctor is saying, they could send you to a doctor of their own choosing. They could force you to undergo any medical assessments, tests, imaging, or anything else that that doctor wants you to do. And if they don't like the result of that doctor's opinion, they could send you to another one. Look at this language. Section 60 of the regulation says ICBC can ask you to go to a doctor of their choosing, quote, as often as the corporation requires, end quote. So they can't send you just to one doctor or maybe once a year to get a second opinion. They could send you to doctors as often as they require. Now, a court is going to have to interpret this section and decide what reasonable limits could be put on it. But the way ICBC got the law written gives them carte blanche to get a second opinion if they don't like what your doctors are saying, or a third, or a fourth, or a fifth. Doesn't seem very fair. Thanks. The reason I had our McGracken moment earlier in the podcast this week was because it leads into our next topic when we continue to talk about the sort of problems with ICBC's fake uh, fake ways of protecting people, which are not actually real ways of protecting people. We have a story that was published on Global News yesterday uh, involving a homeowner who had a car crash into their house. Now, you and I have represented more than a couple people who have driven into a house before, um, sometimes causing thousands of dollars in damage, sometimes causing hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage. 
Well, I'm just surprised how often we've been able to succeed to, uh, you know, explain and make clear to the court that it was the house's fault. <laughs> the house jumped in front of me, Your Honor. <laughs> anyway, this car, uh, it goes into a condo building in White Rock. Um, it crashes on a snowy night, icy snowy night. The car runs the stop sign, clips another vehicle, crashes into the side of the building. It's a big impact. Both airbags deploy. Nobody's hurt, thankfully. But ICBC is kind of not paying for the damage. So these people who own the condo, um, they've gone and they've got all the driver's information. The driver exchanged their information. They sent everything to ICBC with the quotes for the repairs, the assessments of the damages. And you think about like, you know, it's one thing to get a quote to get your car door repaired because someone dinged you in the door, which happened to me the same day that my windshield cracked. It was a very frustrating day. And that was stressful. Now imagine doing it for... Your building. Your building. Well, it's a condo too, so you got condo association, and you've got condo management company, and mm-hmm. you've got, you know, just the add up that you can just see the dollar signs rolling over like at the ha- at the gas pump. Having gone through, as you and I know, renovations recently, <gasps> like getting the contractors to come in and do the estimate and getting the permits to do the work is such a hassle. But these people have got everything, and ICBC has uh, given them um, an estimate of what they will pay. Um, So January 23rd, ICBC sends this condo company um, going back to 1988 and saying, because I guess that's when the building um, was built, um, 1988, that's the amount that it would cost because it bases property damage settlements on the actual cash value of the property, including depreciation. You gotta be joking. Nope. Well, this is a this is a good one to sue ICBC on. But you can't sue ICBC. So how much money are they offering these people for their damaged building? Uh, ICBC knocked off thirty percent uh, for depreciation. Um, leaving the homeowners on the hook for $6,000. So these people are out of pocket $6,000. Well, the condo's got some insurance, one would think. Yep, Strata Insurance is a $15,000 deductible. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So six grand. Six grand out of pocket because somebody else drove into your building. And you're sitting there and your your unit's on the top floor on the other side of the building. Mm Mm-hmm. And and there's one unit on the other side that got hit, and you're on the hook. I mean, it's only fair you're all on the hook for it. Yeah. Wow, that is not fair. That's yeah. pretty upsetting. And it's it's also a building for seniors only. Well, that's fine. Those old people are always flush with cash. They're all totally wealthy. Sure, they've got their yeah. old age pension, their Canada pension. You know, they're all getting fourteen hundred bucks a month from the government you know, yep. on top of their their condo fees. And everything, that still leaves them probably like, you know, $70 a month for food. Well, I mean... What clothes do you need when you're When you're a senior citizen, do you really eat more than that? How much is the Denny's lunch special? That's the thing. Lentils (laughs) lentils are cheap. Lentils and rice. so ridiculous. Like, ICPC is just literally screwing people. And what what is $6,000 to ICBC? It's not like $6,000 is going to turn ICBC back into the dumpster fire. And it's also not like there's a lot of cars crashing into buildings 
in this type of situation. ICBC is worried about their image. Uh, <laughs> and you think, you know, they spend some money and some advertising to deal with their image. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they do have <laughs> they're their, really They're really they, taking that lately. They, uh, I mean, they used to have a marketing department for no good reason when they, you know, they've got a monopoly on basic insurance. Yeah. Uh, but you would think that the $6,000 cost that this news story yeah. uh, damaging their reputation is far worse than that. Not that it's going to change anything. Yeah. Because they have a monopoly. And, but, like, let's not forget, yeah, the building, they're using 1988 values, but you know what? This is 2023 in a recession with a supply chain issue. Sure. Well, everything's <laughs> everything's 20, 25% more expensive than it was four years ago. Is so much more money than it was even two years ago, much less the difference between now and the So, 80s. Kyla and I have had to buy some lumber recently. No, when we no, built no. our building here, we had to buy some 16-foot uh, 2x10s. And uh, we knew at the time that we were paying the absolute premium. And the prices dropped by about 40%. The price is now 60%. We had to buy some lumber for another project this week, something different. And uh, it was substantially cheaper. It was still not cheap, but substantially cheaper. I don't need but, to know. Uh, yeah, those things Perhaps go up and down. Well, I remember right. when I built my the old office in Beattie Street. Mm -hmm. uh, it was 2008, and I was telling the contractors, you watch the price of drywall and drywall putty and everything. We'll finish this project, and it'll drop. And sure enough, they came back to me. They were, like, doing some touch-ups. Hey, you know, you remember when you told us that? Yeah, I know. Well, that was a housing crash in the U.S. So, anyway, there we are. Sometimes there's a crash. Yeah. A ridiculous, sometimes a ridiculous driver is a crash, but not always. Not always. Sometimes the ridiculous driver of the week. A surprising bestseller? The pinpoint method of cross-examination is catching on. Law firms and new litigators across Canada have caught on to cross-examination, the pinpoint method. Kyla Lee's straightforward handbook that teaches you effective cross-examination skills. It's something you have never heard of before, would never expect, but once you've heard of it, you just can't stop laughing. Change, yeah. change your life. Change your life. And Shannon Vincent Young uh, is changing our lives today. Uh, he is in a uh, a pretrial diversion program on a DUI manslaughter charge. I guess there was a crash. Mm. Um, a pretrial diversion program on a DUI manslaughter uh, um, program, and he was supposed to participate in random drug testing. And apparently, while he was doing his random drug testing one day, somehow uh, deputies discovered that he was using a fake penis to pee into the drug testing cup. One wonders where people get the urine for their secret yeah. secret thing, but a fake penis, this is like one step ahead. So this is, you know, when they don't trust you enough that they have to actually look at you doing it, you realize, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, they, they, not just, not just are they going to watch me, I'm going to just get myself a fake penis. A and then fake they're going to penis and fill it with someone else's clean pee. I wonder how many times he uh, <laughs> managed to get away with it before he was caught. I want to see this thing. Oh, I, I don't. See it. I don't. Why? It's not real. It's not the point. Anyway, um, so he claimed after he got caught uh, in the act with the, uh, with the fake phallus, uh, he claimed that uh, it was his own urine 
just a fake penis. And um, lo and behold, when they tested his urine on a second administration using his own penis, yes. uh, it po- tested positive for cannabis. Cannabis. I know, That's but it's yeah. America. Yeah, I know. Plus, he's not supposed to consume any drugs because he's out on bail for killing somebody. So, you know, even if it's cannabis. There you go. Well, um, there's a lesson there. Lesson to be learned. I don't know, I don't know that I want to go and say anything further than that. You can take what lessons you will from uh, Mr. Shannon Young. And uh, if you want to discuss what lessons you might need to learn from a driving incident, you can give us a call at 604-685-8889 or find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law. 